Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hello, everyone. It is the Wednesday prior to our mock draft on (laughs) Saturday, which is nice. Should be fun, right? It absolutely will be fun. We're ramping up. We're getting there. Good show in front of us tonight, too. Yes. Wrapping up our final position groups at the end of the show tonight with corners and safeties. Corners and safeties. Get that secondary. Yeah. Ever important important they are. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That was terrible. Uh, Let's do a quick recap of... uh, what we've got, well, not even a recap, a rundown. preview of what we've got coming tonight. The rundown. Uh, quick heritage review. Going to talk a little bit about that. I'm um, going to preview a little bit about the Zurich Classic. Um, a little bit about the difference in tournaments uh, setup. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about UFC 262. UFC rolling out a very fun, very good card for Saturday post our mock draft. So... Roll it right into a Saturday for the boys. And then rookie rankings, corners, safeties. And then that, that'll be it for the night. Yeah, it should be a, a fun show, though. Uh, lots of good stuff coming. I think we'll have some UFC picks between the two of us, uh, I'm pretty sure, here, when we find some values values on the line. Oh, for sure. Um, let's start with the RBC Heritage. Uh, Stuart Sink, 47 years old. And Best tan line in golf. He played some some great golf and uh, comes out on top comfortably. Yeah, it was really a drama-free Sunday, which is not exactly what we're hoping for, but a nice win from a veteran player. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Corey Connors kept our streak of top five finishers alive, uh, finishing with a T4. I thought he was going to make a serious run after Friday. I was like, oh, man, he's right in position. Just a a couple couple strokes back, going to the weekend. And as well as he's been playing, I thought he was the he was the odds-on guy for me to, to yeah. win the event. But um, Stuart Sink kept it together and played very well on the weekend. So uh, props to him. Good for him to get a win. I uh, had uh, I went to a barbecue with a guy uh, who was a member at the same club as him in Florida at one point in time. And told me what a, just what a tremendous guy he is. Um, such a nice guy. Everybody loves him around their club. So um, you know, nice to hear those kind of stories about somebody. Sometimes these golfers are known as being a bit pretentious or you know stuck up not exactly the most sociable friendly guys in the world um, amongst the general public but I guess he's great and uh, glad to see him get a win at his uh, advanced career yeah so this weekend is the Zurich Classic in uh, TPC Louisiana yep which uh, I've had the pleasure of visiting Uh, thought about playing decided we didn't want to um you know, we didn't have our clubs with us. We were down there for a bowling tournament, and um, 350 bucks plus club rental. We were like, ah, is it really worth spending the day out here losing, you know, a bunch of golf balls on a difficult golf course? Yeah. Um, but it's a fun format, doubles format. Yes. It, talk, uh, talk a little about it, Tom. Okay. So uh, on Thursday, the opening round, they're going to play best ball. So um, lowest score for your team goes yep. on the card. Uh, Friday, the second day, they'll go to alternate shot. Um, they'll take turns. Someone will tee off. The next guy will hit the approach. Then we'll putt. Um, so that's kind of how it goes off for the 
unless you're playing in an alternate shot with me or Tom, in which case one of us will tee off, the next one will chip out from under a tree, <laughs> then the next then the shot approach will be shot. the approach, <laughs> and then it'll be the sand shot, <laughs> and, then, and the then two putts. So yeah, yeah. Um, the top thirty-three teams move on. Saturday goes back to best ball, and then Sunday back to alternate shot. So uh, definitely a, a little different, and because of that, it's notoriously hard to bet on. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about it uh, just before we came on, and um, it seems like pro betters are hands off here because it's it's hard enough to pick a winner in, in golf, let alone a team. Uh, I know. will also be hands off <laughs> because yeah. of the the format is just so wacky. I don't think there's any way for you to um, make a, a really well educated yeah. choice. If you want to throw a few bucks on a couple of teams just to have a rooting interest, so be it. You know, but. For me, it's not super exciting. I'll probably play some like golf matchups. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think Sunday, I'll have a nice hangover, yeah. so it'll be perfect to throw some shekels on a couple of matchups and see how they play out on, yeah. on Sunday afternoon. That's probably gonna be as far as I go with this. It's weird. It's a weird format. It's fun though. It is. I think for viewing, it is a nice lot of fun. Nice change of pace. Yes, uh, just like the mat, the uh, match play event a little while ago. It's nice to do something different in this sport. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, we're not going to have the picks like we usually do for this event, but, you know, we'll be back on the horse next week with some, some PGA selections for you. And um, I just don't want to, you know, be giving out picks that, that could potentially be a waste of money because I don't see a true angle or, or edge yeah. to, to play. So Yeah, it's hard to hard to have any. Um, yeah, next next week they'll be at the Valspar. Uh, we'll have something for you for that for yeah, sure. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. Let's uh, talk about Tom. some fist fights. Yeah, we've got UFC 262 upcoming Just, this weekend. I mean, let the weigh-in gods be on our side because if all five of these fights make and from the COVID the, gods, oh, don't even bring that up. If all five of these main event fights go off without a hitch, we are in for probably the best card of the year. I'm a lot more offended by that c word than the other one. COVID uh-huh. instead of Chachki. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> um, Anthony Smith versus Jim Crute gets us started. <laughs> Such a fun light heavyweight. A couple of guys that like to stand and bang and uh, also throw punches. Yeah. Unquestionably. Um, after that, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, which could be a main event in its own right. Yeah. It's just crazy to see that fight on here. And then, you know, we'll throw in three title fights after that. Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. Wait a minute, this is UFC 261, not UFC 262. Oh, might be. The numbers are off. The numbers don't matter. All right. It's like, whose line is it anyways? Yeah. And then uh, Jessica Andrade, Valentina Shevchenko. That's a, I mean, Shevchenko's a huge favorite in that, in that And she fight. should be. She's nasty. And then Weili Zhang against Rose Namajunas. Rose just makes things a fight. Thug Rose is she does a hell of a job. Every time she yeah. goes out there, she makes them nasty. So although I saw a video of Zhang kicking, practicing her kicks. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, I know. I want she's, no part of that. She's so gifted. It's insane. I want no part of those kicks to my legs. Right. She was doing right kick to the left side, turn plant, turn, left kick to the right side, turn, like back and forth for like a minute and a half straight. Yeah. It was insane. It's impressive. Her stamina is something to <laughs> behold. And then the main event, Masvidal, Usman. Um, Usman, a, a huge betting favorite in that fight. 
Yeah. Um, but should be a fun fight. You know, Masvidal is dangerous anytime that he steps in the ring. Absolutely. Usman is so talented and gifted at everything that he does. Uh, Usman's going to keep him at distance and do what he does. Usman yeah. does not always fight the most exciting fights because he dominates so much. Right. He's like a Floyd Mayweather type. He's he's defensive-oriented. He keeps you from hitting him, and then he hits you enough to win. Yeah. But Masvidal's going to try to muddy it up. He's going to try to make it a Miami street brawl. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of these fights. Didn't we think Chris Weidman was done like five years ago? Yeah. We were at a live event. What was it? UFC 206, 208? I can't remember what it was. Yeah, 206. Something, something like that. And uh, we were sure that Weidman was finished at that point in his career. Yeah, well, this is it. And here he is all these years later. And still hanging around, still does what he does. Doing it for the brand. Yeah. Um, that said, I'm, I like your eye haul at even money in this fight. Yeah, even money is crazy. Yeah, Weidman's favorite right now, minus 130. So put your eye haul down on your tickets for this weekend. Um, and going through the card, you know, some of the other fights. You know, Anthony Smith, he's so tough. He's so tough, and he's, he's got plenty of him. skills. Plus 160 against Jimmy Crute. I mean, I, I think there's value there. It's a pick em fight. Right. To me, it's a pick em fight. They're both, they both do similar stuff. They're both, but the, the edge that Anthony Lionheart Smith has is he's been there, done that against some really good talent. Yeah. Jimmy's still coming up. I mean, he could, tr- I mean, either one of these guys knocks the other one out in the first round. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, any, anything on the prelims that really stands out to you? You got a couple of vets fighting and Alex Oliveira and Randy Brown. Just yeah. A couple of guys that throw down, throwing down. Yeah. And then uh, we've got, uh, I think it may be the, U- it, I think it is the UFC debut for, uh, you're not right, Zhu Rong. Oh, God. Zhu <laughs> Rong, 17 and 3 with 11 TKOs, four submissions. Uh, pretty good finisher, and people are pretty excited about him. He's on he's on a heck of a streak right now. I think he's won you know ten plus in a row. Yeah, he's minus two sixty as yeah. well. Big favorite on that. A lot of big favorites on this. Uh, Carl Roberson versus Brendan Allen. Yeah. Well, Carl Roberson's a pretty tough kid. Yeah, he's plus one twenty five as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know Keeling Aori. I'm gonna have to take a quick look and see. Who, what his deal is here? Keeling. For the record, we have this Knicks Hawks game going on in the background, and uh, a lot of fun basketball being played right now. Yeah. It's 52 50 Knicks, and we are not to halftime yet. There's still six minutes left in the, in the second quarter. So making up for that under hitting last night. That oh, my gosh. Despicable. Obi Toppin with the one-handed slam. I was so incredibly upset <laughs> with the way that played out. 33 combined points in the fourth quarter, and here I am sitting on over 208, and it finishes at 206. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, 33 combined points? Good Lord. 125-pounder, this Keeling Aori is fighting. <laughs> fighting Molina? Ag- yeah, against Molina, so... I don't think that's a super exciting fight by any stretch, but yeah, I think the betting opportunities are as follows. I love um, putting a little something on Anthony Smith at the plus one sixty. Again, I think it's a pick 'em fight. 
I love Uriah Hall at even. That's probably my favorite bet right now just because I, I think it should be the other way. I think he should be favored by a bunch. Um, I stand away from Shevchenko. I think she's will win that fight, but at minus 450, there's n- nothing there for me. And I'm probably going to throw a little bit on Jorge for like a first or second round KO mm-hmm. and then bet Usman to win outright. Because I think if Masvidal wins, it's going to be an explosive, exciting knockout. I don't think he can go five rounds and win enough rounds. So give me Masvidal in the first and second round to get win by KO, sprinkle some money on that, and then bet Usman to, to win. Yeah. I think that's the plan. I You know, I see another fight on here. This guy, um, Kevin Natividad against uh, yeah. Dana Botcherel. So Botcherel... It looks like he's got one uh, knockout victory over uh, Guido Canetta in the UFC. Um, but he lost a fight just prior to that. You know, Kevin Natividad at plus 155, this sounds more like a toss-up fight than it does a yeah. than it does a, a blowout fight. So, um, you know, I'd take my chances on that Natividad plus 155. Yeah. So I think we got a solid couple of fights that we can make a buck out on this. Yeah. No question. Um, Alex Oliveira, Randy Brown's gonna be fun, right? Cowboy yeah. always makes it a, a fight, and Randy Brown's down. Yeah, Randy Brown's one minus one sixty five favorite in that as well. Yeah, Stefan Sakulic. What do you know about Stefan Sakulic? Um, next to nothing. Yeah, some of my favorite fights are the ones when you haven't seen these guys fight before and they're making their debuts. Um. 6-1-185, six submissions, three TKOs. So nine finishes and uh, fighting a guy, Dwight Grant. And Dwight Grant might have fought in the UFC before. That Looks name like name rings a bell for me. Stefan had a two-year ban for failing in competition drug testing. Oh, well. That's kind of concerning, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I want to bet a guy who's worried about being clean. I'd rather bet on guys who haven't been caught yet. <laughs> oh, he fought. He got knocked out by Daniel Rodriguez in last August. Um, but he beat Alan Joban. Joban's no joke. Yeah. So um, I lost a split decision to Zach Otto. He's fought some fighters. He's, he's not just uh, any run-of-the-mill guy. Seven TKOs. Uh, doesn't have much of a sub game. That's a little concerning, though. I mean, he's... Um, He's never been submitted, but he, he doesn't have any submission game either. So if that fight gets to the ground, he might be looking at the other side. Um, that's about it for UFC 261. Um, but it's going to be really fun when we get to that main card on Saturday night, guys, yes. especially after we've been uh, you know, getting after it all day with the, the live mock draft. And then, oh, I can't wait. Cocktails aplenty. Let's hope so. And... Uh, Next, we're going to move on to uh, corners. Yeah, we're going to talk about corners. Um, but first, you know, we're going to talk a little about our formatting for our live mock draft. Uh, we'll be doing uh, every other selection. Tom and yep. I will be alternating this year. Um, those of you that were here last year, we were in different rooms. This year, we'll be sitting in the same camera shot. And um, the idea that I had was that we will pass, we'll write down a selection and pass it to the other guy to read our selection. As yep. if we're handing in the card, um, we may even have things uh, printed off. We'll see. We'll see how uh, we'll see how fancy we get. How fancy we get? Yeah, indeed. Um, 
Last year, I went through it, and I selected the odds, and you selected the evens. Yeah. Shall we alternate this year? Sure. You'll select the odds, and I'll select the evens. Tom will start yeah. uh, with the first pick. Uh, I think there's not a lot in question there. Um, things get interesting starting at pick three. If you yeah, ask they me. really that's, do. That's when things go really crazy. Um, I think I'd also like to maybe maybe swap out. I, as a Dolphins fan, I don't know if I want to make both of their picks for them, although I probably have the best handle on what they're, what they're looking at and uh, the directions they may go in the draft. Um, but I'll definitely, uh, in, in that case, you know what, I'll, I'll flop you the 30th pick so you can have that um, <laughs> and pick for the Bills at number 30. Uh, but we'll do two rounds, um, buzz through the selections, probably be a couple-hour show, really, by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, our friends at Lion Global are going to help us with the production once again. Um, my fiance Stephanie will be here to, to give us a hand as well. Uh, should be really fun, really exciting, and um, we can't wait to do it. I mean, it's there's a lot of build up to this. As you guys have heard, we've we've done positional breakdowns on every position on the field. Uh, you know, aside from long snapper and punter and kicker, I guess. I have those coming. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they don't really show up in the draft. But not, not in the first two rounds, which yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, and our big boards are, will come out the following Thursday, or the following Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. just prior to the draft. Uh, so you guys can check out the podcast on Thursday leading up to the draft and uh, see kind of where we rank these players overall. Yep. Um, which we did last year, and, you know, my number one ranked player last year on the board, uh, you know, Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> he uh, – didn't didn't exactly flash in his first year, but he certainly had big moments out yes. there. And I can't wait to see him uh, continue to progress in his career because I think he's going to have a chance to shine eventually. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the draft and, and uh, putting ourselves out there for the draft is always really exciting because there's guys that we'll like more than some others. Um, last year for me it was Damon Arnett. Yeah. I was all about him, and then he got picked early. Yeah. And all the guys on TV were like, "Oh, no one saw us coming." I'm like, "Hey." Yeah, we did. We, yeah. we had him pick right around this time on our our mock. So um, it becomes a lot of fun to get get your name out there attached to some of these guys and see how that goes. So No doubt. And all of our draft prep and, and work that we put in, it paid off last year. I won a, a draft pool where yeah. uh, there were just a bunch of questions about how things would go in the draft, You know, how many players from this school and that school in the first round and so on. Um, and I came out on top because, you know, honestly, I probably – put more time into it than anybody else that entered that pool so we um, had um 23 of 32 players correctly select in the first round not all in the same slot but 23 out of 32 yeah pretty good and that's you know that's what i'm aiming for really is to to be in that I, i'd love to set a mark of 25 this year can we get 25 first rounders right this year um not sure we can it's not easy uh oh reggie bullock Gotta love that. Just insane. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to – let's jump right in. Let's actually do uh, – we'll go down to number five, and then we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll finish the last of the corners and the safeties. Okay. Um, so we'll start 10 to 5? 10 to 5 uh, in corners. All right. I'll, I'll get going. I got mine up and ready to go. Uh, number 10 for me for corner is Aaron Robinson, corner out of UCF. Um, I see this guy as a slot corner. But his ability is crazy. He was a four-star recruit um, coming out of high school. 
couple of things about him that stand out is his speed, 4.38, 40 time, 37-inch vertical, really good athlete, played really well at UCF. Obviously, they went on quite a run here in the last couple of years in the uh, American Athletic Conference, and he was a big part of that. One thing that's pretty good about him is he makes the run, or he's a very good tackler and very willing to come up and, and make tackles. Um, that's not something you get a lot from the slot. So it would be very interesting to see how that translates in the NFL. But I think a very good slot corner coming into the NFL right away. So at number 10 for me is Aaron Robinson from UCF. Oh. <laughs> and again, Gross. We, don't, we don't share that uh, the information about where we slot players before these episodes because we think it's more fun to be spontaneous. Yeah. Um, but I, I wrote here uh, 20 pass breakups over the last two seasons. Plays tough. Uh, versatile top receivers will beat him with their technique. Um, and which, so if he's in the slot, you know, he won't have to worry about it as much, which right. is perfect for him. Number nine for me is Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. 5'11, 193, 43940, 43-inch vertical jump, 10 career interceptions, 38 pass breakups. This guy has a nose for the ball. He is he's what you would call a ball hawk. You know, he he does a great job. Um, problem is he has technique that needs refining. He's played against softer competition, and uh, that'll show at the next level. So, you know, let's get him with somebody who's a great coach that can uh, that can get him prepared for the next level. Um, and this is a guy that I think could develop into a, a star at some point in his career because of all those athletic traits that he has. Yeah, I actually – we talked about this player specifically. I had him just outside my top ten, but – um, because of those uh, needing a little bit of probably coaching up when he gets there, but the raw talent of that guy is insane. Yeah. At number nine, I have Ifiatu Melafanu. Close? Uh, Didn't stick the yeah, landing. Ifatu Melafanu. Didn't stick the landing. <laughs> um, he is a big corner out of Syracuse. Um, I saw him at 6'2", 205. I also saw him at 210. So very big, and he uses it well. Um, he's down here a little bit because his his uh, man-to-man game is going to be a little suspect at the NFL level, but a very uh, capable zone corner, um, willing to make tackles, probably could work on it a little bit, but he's he's a willing tackler, as they say. Yeah. Um, but with his size, he's definitely able to do that. Uh, all the measurables are there, 448, 41.5-inch vertical, which is crazy for someone who's 6'2", like, good yeah. lord. Um. So a lot of things to like about him. He's definitely uh, going to be a guy that catches on real fast in the NFL because of those physical traits of his. Yeah. Um, my number eight. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Campbell, Georgia corner, six feet one ninety three. Um, this guy is super fast, four three six, and his forty time, which is pretty fast. Um, one thing about Tyson that's great is he's kind of gone up against everybody. I mean, he's seen Alabama a couple times a year, LSU, all the great wide receivers coming out of those two schools the last two seasons. He's gone gone up against, held his own, um, got smoked a little bit in that, against Alabama this last year, but who doesn't, right? Yeah. Um, very talented. So number eight for me, this is a guy that is probably not this high on anyone's board. Um, I have Trey Brown from Oklahoma. I have Trey Brown here because I watched him at the Senior Bowl, and he was he was incredible. He broke on the ball. He plays through the receivers. He's 5'9", 185, runs a 4'4", 40, 
38-inch vertical. He had 35 pass breakups and four INTs with Oklahoma. He made clutch plays in big moments. He shined at the Senior Bowl. Um, what are the, the downfalls of Trey Brown? I mean, he's, he's technically very good. He does a really good job, but he lacks ideal size at only 5'9", 185, and he's over-aggressive at times. So he may get caught, you know, may get flagged for, for being too physical. Um, but I really like this kid. I think that he's going to be the surprise of the draft for somebody in the fifth or sixth round. He may, he may last that long. And if he does, he's going to get scooped up, and he's going to end up starting on an NFL team this year. Uh, maybe not this year, maybe, maybe next year. But Trey Brown, I'm a big fan. Do you see him more of as a, a boundary corner, or do you think he'll play inside? I think he'll end up playing inside at the next yeah. level. I don't think that he'll be – it's Based so hard size, at 5'9 yeah. to, to play on the boundary. Um, but I see him more working the slot, being a slot corner. And yep. there's such a need for that in the NFL now. Um, and with his skills and um, his athleticism, I think that he's going to be really good at it. So uh, big fan there. Uh, number seven for me, uh, Paulson Adebo from Stanford. 6'1", 198, 44440, 44-4, 36-and-a-half-inch vertical. 38 pass breakups in two seasons. It's great. That, that number is insane. Um, production and size. So he, he shows the production. He shows everything that you want. Um, he dropped INTs, though. 38 pass breakups, and he didn't have that many interceptions. So, um, it, you know, if he can refine that part of it, he's going to be really good at the next level. He has some technique issues where he plays up. He, he gets a little too upright, and guys can blow by him at times. He doesn't stay in that in that good uh, athletic stance that a corner needs to be in to break. Um, but I really like Paulson Adebo from Stanford at seven. All right, at my seven, I have Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky, five uh, eleven, about one ninety side, one ninety seven, um, in weight. Uh, let's see here. A couple of things about him that uh, stood out is just his ability as an athlete playing at Kentucky. Um, this guy is a very willing plus tackler. Uh, let's see here. I have it. Yeah, there we go. Um, also, super fast. 4 3 four, 40, 35 inch vertical. Checks all those boxes. Um, very physical and aggressive there at Kentucky. So, um, big fan of him at 7. At 6, I have Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. Um, I have him a lot lower than a lot of people. I don't buy into a lot of the hype around him. I think he's good. Uh, but at 5'10", 180, I'm not sure he's going to be a boundary corner. Um, not only is he only 5'10", I don't think he plays up to his size either. Um, I think the bigger wide receivers when I watched at Florida State were the ones to give him a hard time. So I see him moving inside, which kind of, I want to say, tarnishes his value but it drops it a little bit yeah um again physical tools 438 40 35 inch vertical he looks the part super athletic um i just think that slot corners where he's going to be and because of that my my boundary corners are going to be in my top five not not my slot corners number six for me is a fatu melifanu um again 448 40 41 and a half inch vertical um He's over-aggressive at times, has some technique issues, but he's very physical. Um, he, he wants to come downhill and just slam into anybody that's coming his way. Uh, blockers, ball carriers, doesn't matter to him. Uh, so I, I like him at the next level. I think that 
uh, they'll be able to clean up some of his technique problems uh, at the next level and, and make him, uh, you know, obviously the man coverage issues early on could be concerning. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that can be cleaned up a little bit. It's not natural for him, so he'll never be the best at it. Um, but he'll, he, he can be a very serviceable corner in, at the next level, and his aggressive nature will allow him an opportunity on the field against guys. So um, at number five, I have Caleb Farley uh, from Virginia Tech. He would not be here. He, he would probably be two, one or two on my list, probably two, um, if it weren't for all of the injury issues. I mean, he, he just knee injuries, uh, back injuries, it's, it's very concerning. So at 6'1", 197, um, 16 pass breakups in 2019. He's got great ball skills. He's physical and has all the tools. But his health is what drags him down. I mean, everything that you see on the field tells me this guy's going to be great at the next level. But when, how often is he going to be on the field? That's the question. All right. Oh, it's on me again, huh? Yep, just number five, and then we'll take a quick break. All right, number five then. I have Eric Stokes, uh, Georgia. Um, Eric Stokes is a, another one that's just an amazing athlete. Six feet, about 195. He ran a 42940, um, 38.5 inch vertical. Again, same same story. Played in Georgia. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of experience playing in man. A lot of experience playing in zone at Georgia. They like to mix it up. One of the better defenses in the country. Uh, the one thing I would say is a lot of penalties on Eric. Um, he doesn't trust himself to be in the right position, so sometimes leans on grabbing a guy, even even when he's in position sometimes, which is really frustrating as a coach yeah. to watch him be there, be where he needs to be and still grab. Um, but that's something that you can coach out of him, I believe. Uh, super talented athlete, and he's my number five. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come right back and uh, wrap up our top five corners and our top ten safeties All in right. the NFL draft. We'll be right back. Well, we're on our little break. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Lion Global. Uh, Tom and his team take good care of us uh, with the help of our website, our social media, and they can do the same for you. Um, they're really good at what they do, and uh, you should reach out to them. Any opportunity you get at lionglobal.com. That's L-Y-O-N global.com. And, Tom, let's get back to it. Give me your number four cornerback. Uh, number four, somebody you actually talked about already, and Caleb Farley, um, for basically all the same reasons. Uh, athletically and skill-wise, he's up there with the best one or two in the in this uh, in everything here. But those injuries are so scary. It's not just that he has injuries; it's some of the injuries he has, right? Like some of those are really, really kind of scary things. That yeah, when you talk about back injuries, those. They tend not to go away when it comes to contact sports, you know. Yes, back injuries are, are definitely stuff that we've seen derail a lot of really young, good young careers. Grandmama. Grandmama. Um, Larry Johnson. Yeah. Could have probably had another productive five years. More productive. He, he continued to play through those problems, um, but he was so good before his back problems started. Yeah. I've tried, I've tried to teach my kids about how good Larry Johnson was. Yeah. So uh, number four for me is J.C. Horn, uh, mm. South Carolina. Um, I have J.C. Horn down a little bit because he really pissed me off when I was watching him 
in his lack of desire to go and make tackles. I, I watched today, I watched the film from South Carolina, Alabama, 2019. I watched the film from South Carolina, Florida, 2020. Um, I watched uh, one other game I can't remember. J.C. Horn had a chance to make a million tackles in those games, and he has no desire to do it. He's really good, really sticky coverage. He's very handsy, grabs onto players, um, you know, tends to like – I think – I don't know if he'll get away with it as much at the next level as he did in college uh, because I see his hands all over guys. Uh, the receivers that will give him trouble are the slippery guys, the ones who are great route runners that can make those quick cuts. Uh, Devontae Smith gave him a little bit of difficulty – he, he made like a double slant move on him where he, he started to run the slant and then he slanted harder. And uh, I let my buddy <laughs> responding to a message I sent cracked me up in the middle of giving my evaluation. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mets fans just <laughs> losing their cool right now. <laughs> so uh, J.C. Horn, he's going to be very good at what he does, and that's cover. And um, if you don't care that he doesn't tackle then fine but there are teams that'll take him right off their board because he won't tackle um either that or that's going to be like the focus and of it the coaching and the early part of his career at the next level um, but he has the physical ability to do it he's six foot 205 runs a 4 4 40 41 and a half inch vertical 17 pass breakups over the last two seasons and that's with people not looking to throw his way so um very good corner um at number three for me Asante Samuel here. Tom talked about him um, with his size concerns. His athleticism at 4.38 with a 35-inch vertical jump, as well as his football intelligence, his versatility, those things to me make up for, for some of the size concerns. And I think that he can play some boundary at the next level. I don't think that it'll be as big of an issue as uh, you know some of the other guys that we've highlighted here earlier. I know 5'10", 180, but, man, I, I, I watched his, his old man play, um, you know, and that's, I'm sure, where all of his football intelligence comes from. And he's just, he's very smart. The problem is he's easily blocked because of his strength limitations and his size limitations. So where J.C. Horn has no desire to tackle, Asante Samuel will try, but he's blocked <laughs> by the receivers because they're, they're just typically more physical than he is. Uh, but I think his ball skills and his intelligence will uh, will make up for a lot of that at the next level. Number three is where I have J.C. Horn. A lot of the same stuff. I mean, he's he's definitely talented. He's fast. He has a, a lot of good experience in the battle-tested SEC, which, uh, as you can hear from a lot of my stuff, I, I give a lot of credence to. The, the wide receivers in the SEC are just built different. And yeah. going up against the, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron. If you're playing against these guys week in, week out, there's no chance you don't get better. So um, give me give me some of these guys on my team. Yeah. Um, his size is, is good for the NFL, 6 feet, 200 pounds. Um, all that checks the, all those boxes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he competes in the NFL. That stuff does not go over well, not only just with coaches, but with uh, teammates in a locker room if they think you're dogging it and not um, – going in full speed to make tackles and making plays that will not go over well. Uh, number two, right? My number two yeah. next? Greg Newsome um, out of Northwestern. This is a guy that the more I watched of him, the more I enjoyed what I saw. Um, six feet, 192. You're on a 4'3", 40-inch vertical. Um, there's just not a lot of holes in his game. Everything you see, he does well. Uh, he may not have some of the flashy plays, 
Um, but th- he didn't get the ball thrown at a lot. Yeah. Uh, which is the number one sign of a good corner. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, this is going to be kind of boring because I have Greg Newsom at two. Yeah. <laughs> um, 21 pass breakups in 14 starts. Zero touchdowns allowed in 2020. There are some injury concerns, and he needs to catch the ball instead of just breaking it up yeah. sometimes. That's the only the only things that stopped him from being number one here for me were those those little issues. Um, he's so good, um, and he flew under the radar for a long time, but there's been so much chatter about him lately that he's not going to stay under the radar now. And uh, I think he'll go in the first round. Oh, yeah. I think, two, I, th- I think two Northwestern players are going in the first round. I think we'll see probably four to five corners go in the first round. Yeah. Um, as, as we draft wide receivers and fill out rosters, you need corners to guard them. So, And number one is Patrick Sertan. Same here. Um, Alabama 6'2", 208. Tall, athletic, 4'4", so 140. Uh, physical, smart, durable. Um, I guess the only thing you can say is maybe some of his run game stuff isn't the best. Yeah. Um, everything else he does, he does so well with football intelligence, uh, playing against the best receivers, practicing against the best receivers. It, it's, um, to me, this is a, I have him considerably better than a lot of the other corners here. Yeah. Um, Greg Newsom's really good, but I think there's a separation there between Sertan and, and Greg Newsom. Um, I think Sertan could go in the top ten. Yeah, I I, th- I think that with some of the quarterbacks that might drive him out, but he's definitely a top ten talent. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll see where he shakes up. Somebody's gonna get a steal in that six to twelve range where he ends up going. Yeah. So. All right, let's move on to safeties, Tom, and um, you jump right in. Give me number ten. Let me. Let Actually, me let me because I'm ready. All right. Number ten for me. Tyler Coyle from Purdue, six foot two oh nine, ran a four three six forty with a thirty nine inch vertical jump. He needs time to develop. He transferred from UConn, so this year he didn't get near as much playing time. It just wasn't as as um, big of a thing for him there at Purdue as he tried to figure out their defense and stuff in a shortened season. It just didn't really work out that well for him after making the transfer. But at UConn, he, he had to transfer, too, because UConn opted out of the season completely. And if he wanted to play at all, he had to go find someplace to go. Um, Coyle led UConn in tackles for two seasons straight. He had over 100 tackles in 2018, 90 tackles in 2019. Uh, this guy is super athletic and flying under the radar. He will be a late-round pick, and I think somebody is going to be really excited to get a chance to try to mold this kid at the next level. Ready for me? Yeah. Tyree Gillespie, safety out of Missouri, which is fun to say, by the way. A couple things I love about him are just his size. I think that 6 feet, 207, um, he packs a punch with his hits. I think this is going to be one of those guys that right away is going to be awesome on special teams because of his – he's got some of that old-school safety to him where he's going to come up and just smash you if you try to catch the ball over the middle. Um, so I'm really big fan of that. He is going to be more of the free safety or the strong safety type, playing way back or coming up to to stop the run up up close. So Tyler Tyree Gillespie, and then the next one is actually the harder name to say, Talanoa Hufanga 
out of USC. I did. I wasn't. I think that. he did pretty well there. Yeah, Hufanga's not that bad, I guess. Um, another guy with um, defensive size, six one, two fifteen, and a little bit of violence to his game, which I like that in a safety. Let me let yeah. me see some truck. Get, you know, truck some people. Yeah. Um, I was reading the one right up. It says. He is a violent tackler who seems to enjoy the physical aspect of the game. I wrote that down because it kind of sums him up a little bit. Um, very, very strong player. Going to be great against the run. Uh, Going to be a nightmare for um, wide receivers making catches across the middle uh, pretty much his whole career. All right. Number nine for me, Tariq Thompson from South uh, San Diego State. South Diego, nice. <laughs> San Diego State. Uh, 5'10", 206, 35 pass breakups and 12 interceptions. He is a ball hawk that plays smart, is what I wrote here. Um, the problem is he is not very athletic, so that's what pushes him down Usually the board. a damper. Yeah, but he has a nose for the football. He finds a way to make plays. I, if he can increase some of his, you know, pick up his speed a little. He ran like 4.74 four in the 40. Um needs to needs to get faster needs to do some speed training and and upgrade that stuff because his natural instincts and ability can take him a long ways in the nfl and i tend to kind of lean these guys because those aren't things that can be improved the the natural instincts that guys have for understanding where the ball is going and seeing a play developing in front of them and putting themselves in the proper position that doesn't just happen that isn't just coached into people guys guys feel that it's it's innate so um, I like the chances of him potentially sticking in the NFL. Number eight for me is Jacoby Stevenson from LSU. He led LSU in tackles in 2020. He had a 42-inch vertical jump. The thing with Jacoby Stevens, he's going to be—he's probably going to be an in-the-box type of safety, strong safety, more at the next level. Um, he makes some undisciplined plays. I mean, he's a nasty hitter. Very physical, um, has the ability to physical ability to do anything at the next level. But the question is whether or not he can develop some of that discipline, make the smart play. Sometimes, you know, you don't need to take it to the next level. You don't need to blow somebody up. Um, instead, you, you just make the smart decision. So um, Jacoby Stevens at number eight for me. All right. My number eight is Jamar Johnson. Um, Jamar Johnson, a safety out of Indiana. Um, let's read his measurables here. We got 5'11", 205, 4'5", 840. Um, pretty athletic. This is a, a classic Big Ten kind of safety. Um, you're going to see somebody who plays downhill. He's very good in coverage. It's one of those things he looks like a corner as he's dropping back and his back pedal, things like that. Um, going to take away the deep ball really well. Uh, very solid. Not an elite athlete, I think, is the biggest knock on him, but he does everything right. He's in the right place. He's where you want him to be at safety, which is probably more important than anything, just being able to trust that they're going to be where you need him to be. Um, next is an interesting one because he is small. Our Darius Washington from TCU, 5'8", 176. Um, this is somebody who... Uh, is very good at sticking in man coverage at safety, but also um, playmaker, right? Uh, five interceptions in 2019, um, an insane athlete, 370-pound bench. 
at 176 pounds is just out of this world. Um, so he's, he's very good, very talented athlete. Uh, should be interesting to see if somebody will even give him a chance at a starting role with that size. But he is uh, just very special, honestly, to watch him play. Yeah. I'm up. You are. Number, number seven, Divine Diablo. Oh, my goodness. Virginia Tech. In the box, safety plays like a linebacker with 4-4 speed and good ball skills. Um, this is a guy that, you know, he didn't make uh, his – he didn't fill up the stat sheet necessarily, um, but he just looks like an in-the-box safety at the next level with all that athleticism, and uh, I think he fits perfectly here at the next level. So um, I like Divine Diablo and what he can offer. I have Divine Diablo as my number six. All the same things. I think he's – very physical. Um, it's the it, well, one thing that stood out. I wrote down that um, uh, he was notated as vocal, humble, competitor, also as a wee guy. So all those things are going to make him very, yeah. very appealing to guys in the in the middle of that draft. Right. Um, number six for me is Hamza Nasruddin, um, Florida State downhill tackler. Um, again, in the box safety potential. Um, he needs to improve his ball skills and, and put up more performance with what he does, what he has, all that athleticism and ability that he has and that size. Um, you know, he needs to take advantage of that. I have him at number five. This is getting <laughs> interesting. All right. Um, same thing. I think he's, I mean, he's huge, right? So we're talking about a guy who 6'3", 215, is basically a linebacker but moves like a safety. Yeah. Um, so – some of the Florida State defense is kind of tough, right? Yeah, they got owned a lot in those last couple of years. So uh, some they're of that's on the got field constantly because their offense couldn't do anything. That's true. <laughs> so a lot of that's going to be on them to do. Um, not a lot of big p- plays and games like you would like to see. Uh, but only played in two games this last year. Um, but the physical talent is is all yeah. there. So I'll go to number five since you've given your six and five already. <laughs> uh, and I know you won't have this guy here. Okay. Um, Caden Stearns from Texas. Nope. Um, he's a rare athlete. Um, he's best as a deep safety, um, but he has some durability concerns. The thing is, I see massive upside with him. And a guy who was a three-year starter and a captain at Texas, um, I, I really like what he could bring to the table. That defense sucks. That doesn't suck. It's Texas defense right. sucked. And uh, – you know, Caden St- So, what'd you do with Joseph Asai? Not much. Um, I couldn't remember where you put him. Um, but I think Caden Stearns can play at the next level, and I think his athleticism um, and his ability will 15. be... 15. 15, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like uh, I like Caden Stearns at the next level. I think that he has a chance to, to make it, and um, I love his athleticism and his potential as a deep safety. Um, so I guess I'll go to number four and sure. you'll go to four. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Number four for me is Richie Grant from UCF. Um, he's another guy that attacks downhill and he has ball skills. He's got a rare combination of both. Um, he's not super big, uh, but I think that, you know, he's going to make it work at the next level. See, I'm, I'm a big productivity guy when it comes to selecting these safeties. And that's the reason Richie Grant didn't have a ton of productivity. So he needs to do more with all of his skill sets. And that's why he's down here at four for me, where other people have him a little higher. I have Andrew Cisco at four. Andre? Andre. What did I say? Andrew. I threw a dub in. Yeah. Andre Cisco at four. Um, This guy has 
a lot of things going for him. Guess who I have at number three? Well, I have Richie Grant at three, so we <laughs> flop these two then. Um, so Cisco is the guy who makes a lot of plays on the ball. Um, his in 2018 and 2019 when he played full seasons seven interceptions five interceptions only two games in 2020 but still found a way to get his hands on one ball as well um he's just he's the prototypical deep safety just go ahead and throw that i'll get there before it gets there um kind of guy just a lot to like 29 pass breakups and 13 interceptions in basically two seasons yeah um pretty impressive stuff and the one knock I heard on him is he gets over aggressive chasing the ball, you know, look thinking he's going to get a pick and uh, can sometimes give up the deep ball. So he needs to hem that in a little bit and not, not let somebody double move him over the top when he, you know, have him breaking down on a slant and the guy runs the sluggo. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can't have that happen at the next level because they don't miss those deep balls in, in the NFL. Um, and I have Richie Grant at three. I think that Richie Grant's really talented. I think this is somebody who's a little raw. I think there's going to be some issues with change of direction at, at the next level. He's someone who straight line speed, you're, you're not going to get by him. Um, single moves, not going to get by him. But if you're making double moves or you're making those quick transitions where you jab left and then cut right, he's going to have a hard time keeping up with those guys in the NFL. That's why I had him at three. Who do you have at two? Trevon Morig. Morig. All right. Um, at two for me is Javon Holland. Um, another ball hawk, 19 pass breakups, 19 interceptions in two seasons. He's athletic and he's versatile. Um, he does have some technique flaws that could be fixed uh, prior to moving to the next level. But, you know, he opted out this season. And uh, prior to this season, he was going to be the consensus number one safety. Um, so... You know, and, and for me at number one is Trevon Morig. So, again, we've done the little we've, flippy We flipped these two. Uh, um, talk about Trevon Morig for me. Okay. So, six feet, 202 pounds out of TCU. Um, what is there to like about him? Same kind of thing. Um, he got. It seemed like he got better as, as he went on. Uh, 2019 and 2020, he had 26 pass breakups and six interceptions in those two seasons uh, playing as a starter. Uh, another one who's a deep safety um, was asked to do a lot. Um, he's going to be moved around a lot at TCU, which makes him very uh, exciting in the NFL, but very, very good at the deep safety position, which is so common in the NFL these days. Um, very good tackler. No real issues with any of that kind of stuff. Had 125 tackles in college. Yeah. Yep. He's <laughs> really good player. Um, I think we could take a moment here to talk about the two positions as a whole. We didn't really do that for the yeah. um, corners, but we can do it from both now. Uh, let's start with the safety since we just finished those. Uh, there's not a lot of special love or things here to love about no. any of these guys. I think there's some good players. There's definitely going to be guys who end up with starting roles, but there's no real difference maker at safety. Right. I, there's not a first-round safety on the board, though yeah. one may end up going early enough if it's the right situation. Um, but in general, I don't think there's first-round talent or grades on these safeties in this class. I think they're second- and third-round guys. Yeah. Um, the, there's nothing wrong with that. They can have good long careers and be very productive NFL players. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think that there's a, a, a huge top end to this class. Um, when it comes to the corner class – 
Yeah. I think there is some top-end talent here. Um, I don't think it's as good as last year's corner group, um, but I think it's pretty good. And I think yeah. that, you know, the top six or so are pretty deep. Yeah, like we were talking earlier, like I, I imagine four or five of these guys will go in the first round, and then a couple will go really early in the second. It feels like there's a gap, though, somewhere around there where it falls yeah. off a bit. But One of the things about this group is there's a lot of guys who are, like, tailor-made for the slot. And I yeah. know that sounds it, – it, it's it's very good for them because a lot of teams in the NFL struggle with that position so much. It's so hard to find a guy who's athletically gifted and, and the right size and all of that. And a lot of these guys are going to end up filling those roles. It's an interesting year in the draft because not only – is the cornerback position like that as far as the size limitations and stuff? The wide receiver position was the same way yeah. this year. This whole class is a little bit small. It's a it's an interesting thing. Um, I think it comes from some of what college football is doing, right? A lot of these – get that out of here. A lot of this college uh, wide receivers are going to speed yeah. down the field, uh, making those kind of plays, and you see less of the big-bodied guys just – yeah, they're, they're putting a lot of these uh, lightning-fast quarterbacks at the at, when they move up to the college yeah. level. Uh, they're playing in the slot and playing receiver in, in college, so you've got to match that somehow. So that would make sense to, to see some of that. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap up the show tonight, guys. Make sure you tune in Saturday. We're going to be on YouTube, on Facebook Live. You'll be able to see us anywhere you want um, on the social media platforms. Um, we're really excited about doing this, and it's going to be a lot of fun for us. Always a fun time. Um, last year was a blast. Uh, a little bit of a learning experience, too, so we imagine this one's going to be better. Yeah, we um, hope it's sharp and clean. And yes, yeah. Can't wait to uh, – it's always a lot of fun as, yeah. we, as we go through it and kind of see how, how it could play out. Absolutely. So um, hopefully we can perform – you know, even better than we did last year. Let's 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 hit 25 out of 32 in the first round it. this year. So uh, we'll catch you guys all on Saturday afternoon at two o'clock on Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook. Um, you'll also be able to find it on YouTube. We'll share that on the Facebook feed as well. Absolutely. Catch y'all later. Bye.